Well, he's a natural at that, isn't he? Uh, thank you guys for being here. If today is your first time here or if you're watching online for the first time, my name is Calvary. I'm the pastor and just uh, welcome. Uh, glad that you've joined us. I um, want to let you know two other quick housekeeping notes on the... Uh, I don't have the dates in front of me. Um, pay attention to the prayer meeting that's coming up on Thursday here in a, a week or two. Um, the 20th, I think, is that Thursday. And then also we have uh, every time there's five Sundays in a month, we have a night of worship. And that's coming up also here at the end of the month. Um, we're actually going to do it the first Saturday of February. So we had a, a conflict with the something at the school, Susicool the Musical is going to be happening and they're going to be doing some preparations, getting ready for that. So uh, just keep that in your minds on the calendar. Uh, Thursday evening we'll do a prayer. It's a great time to get together to call out to God uh, as a group and then uh, the same for the night of worship is always a, a great time for us to be able to be together and share in that. So Anyway, it's good to see all of you guys here today. Uh, I said that one time and they said, oh, you must not be from Texas. When I said you guys, um, I said, I'm sorry, y'all. It's good to see y'all. Um, I am uh, from Texas. At, uh, you guys is, I guess, a, a Midwest. I did live in St. Louis for a while. Uh, you guys. But if you go a little further east, it's Ewan's. And um, we didn't get quite there. I did have some friends that said Ewan's. I never understood that one, but, um, you know, who's to judge? Uh, today is actually one of my favorite Sundays of the year, and um, it's because of what I'm going to be talking about. I get every year as the, the church year gets wound up, or the, it's not the church year, the church year actually, fiscal church year begins uh, at the first Sunday of March, so, or the first day of March, but the first day of the uh, the first time they get to do this anyway, of the uh, calendar year. And last week we had, uh, it was the second, and we had some great um, time together. But today I get to talk about uh, the things that we've been through this last year and look forward to next year. Uh, I will let you know, reminder, uh, don't forget next Sunday we have a special guest speaker. Uh, really, somebody you don't want to miss. I know sometimes people think, oh, the pastor's gone, so I don't need to be there. Listen, uh, I hesitate to even have Dan come because he is, uh, I'm afraid that you guys might ask him to come be the pastor. He's a really good speaker. But not only that, he's uh, got some incredible work going on at uh, Wycliffe. He's a oral Bible translator bringing Bible translation to indigenous people groups that don't have a written language. It's a fascinating way to uh, do Bible translation and uh, he's going to be here next Sunday and as Bruno and I are going to be gone to uh, a pastor and spouse retreat that um, I, I say retreat it's really more of a conference than a retreat but uh, we're going to be there in Abilene next week so um, pray for us as we make the trek towards West Texas. Uh, so call me crazy, but you know, the years start to run together. Do you ever feel that way? They start to run together and I, I don't really, I, I have kids now and um, I, I have had kids for a little while now, but I remember I, when I was a child myself and um, I would always remind my parents of my birthday. In fact, I'll remind you July 12th, just so you don't forget. Um, but uh, 
I would always remind my parents of my birthday and I never understood, but I can't remember their birthday unless I remember, oh wait, what year were they born in again? Which, that one was this day, that one was this. I don't know, do you guys do the same thing? is uh, the only one that I really ha have a super easy time with. That's because um, any of you CB people, her birthday is 10-4. Uh, 10-4, good buddy, uh, October 4th. Nobody here will ever forget now. 10-4. See, what do you do with July 7-12? You can't, I can't do that. So I just have to say it all the time. Uh, sometimes we don't realize how much something changes because it's right in front of us. So it's good to take a step back and just, and look at things. Uh, through the Christmas season and all the holidays, I had opportunity, and you guys probably do the same thing, look at pictures and, you know, memories. Um, I remember a a memory came up of Morgan, her birthday's in December, December 1st. So um, a birthday picture came up and it was Morgan's eight-year birthday and um, Maddie was, uh, no, Morgan was, I don't remember how old she was now. Maddie was five. Yeah, Morgan was eight. And I can remember Morgan had on the, the hat, you know, the pointy hat and, and all of her friends were around and Maddie was trying to hang with her sister, you know. She had her pointy hat on. She's there in the middle and I'm thinking, man, that was such a sweet time. Our, uh, another picture came up one time. Morgan was, and we like to watch, same, you guys, I'm sure the same, Christmas movies, you know. Um, in fact, it's so bad at our house. We'll just put on a Hallmark. We don't have any idea what this movie is. Hallmark Channel Christmas movie. And we'll sit there and watch it. But um, we were watching a Christmas movie. Morgan was three. And she was sitting in my lap and I had my arms around her. And I, I was just a sweet moment. I leaned down and said, oh, I love you. And I remember she grabbed my arm and hugged it real tight. She said, I love you, Daddy. <laughs> you know, it's those kind of memories that come up that I, I and I look now and I'm, Morgan's 15 years old. <laughs> Where did that, what happened? You know, like yesterday she was three, hugging my arm. She couldn't even, I love you. And now um, I have to, Morgan, come out of your room and sit with your dad. Um, so 15, she's done her driver's permit stuff. That's a whole, that's a whole nother world. Um, so we're working on that and she'll be a permitted driver soon. She's done all the tests and stuff, but you know, with the um, getting in to get the permit, it's like a six month wait or something. It's ridiculous. Uh, so if you have kids who are 10, go ahead and schedule the appointment. You'll get them in. Uh, I, re I just realized how much my kids are changing. And uh, every year I like to, Look back and, and see that. I want to cherish every moment. And, and my friends with kids younger than mine or older even, cherish every single moment you have with them. Um, the, the terrible twos, love it because they're going away. Um, you know, the 15-year-old, love every moment, every fight. No, I don't love the fight, but, you know, just uh, cherish every moment because those are important. So I like to do that with my family, but also I like to do that with the church because a lot happens and a lot of changes happen in a church and, and you don't really know it. So I use that same principle with my family as I do with the church. Um, this year, we're wrapping up our fourth year in ministry. In fact, our fourth year at this church, last Sunday was my four-year anniversary. I started on the first Sunday of January four years ago. When we came here, my kids were 11, 8, and 6. Uh, now, Morgan, I just told you she's 15 in ninth grade. Can you believe it? Uh, Morgan's in ninth grade. Uh, Maddie is in middle school, seventh grade. Caden's in fifth grade. I remember I was talking about shoes the other day. Um, Caden is different from me. I, in fifth grade, I remember some of you, 
I don't know if this was a regional thing, but there was a tennis shoe called Capa. Anybody remember the Capa tennis shoe? Yeah, thank you. Saw that hand. <clears throat> Me and you, Chad, we got it. So uh, the Capa tennis shoe was one in fifth grade. I wanted some Capas so bad. We, we couldn't afford it, but I wanted them, you know, and they lasted for about six months. It's good I didn't buy them, um, or my parents didn't buy them, but... Uh, Caden, at 10 years old in fifth grade, he could care less about fashion. He's like, uh, whatever's comfortable, Dad, that's what I want. So, son, is it comfortable to comb your hair? Could you do that for me? Because <laughs> that's not, that's not, that hadn't happened. Yeah, I combed it just a minute ago. No, you didn't. So, anyway, it's like comedy hour up here. Uh, today, I want to look back over the last year. I need to get serious because I, I've got some things to put in today. So uh, I am going to ask for your patience. I'm going to move quickly. And as I move through this, I want you to uh, know that the notes for the message today are in the church's app. Go to the uh, app store, the Google Play store, and you can get the church app that way. But uh, there's a section for notes there. It's also in the Bible app. But I want to look back over the last year. I want to remember just how much God has moved us in 2021 and then I want to take a look at 2022. As I was getting ready for today I looked over this last year and I got to say I was impressed. I'm really impressed with what the church has been through, what the church has done and uh, what's happened. So uh, first let's acknowledge that 2021 coming on the heels of 2020 is one for the record books. Right? I mean, we've had to learn to do things differently. Metrics look different now. How do we quantify the lives that have been touched? Like, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. And something that we have to, as we move forward, we have to figure out how do we do this. It's a hybrid world now, you know? But nobody even, very few people really understood Zoom before two years ago. Now, everybody's Zooming everything all the time. You know, can we Zoom every meeting? I'm getting tired of Zoom, just so you know. So, all right, let's just go through accomplishments. We had a revival, revival services. Jeremiah Bullock was here. We had an awesome time with him. Um, Susie Schellenberger was supposed to be coming this year for revival. She had to um, cancel because she took a pastorate. Uh, she was, has been an evangelist for years and years and years. Uh, she took a church in Oklahoma, so she wasn't able to come. But I was able, I got a call from a friend of mine, Mike Adams. Some of you might remember Mike Adams, Michael Adams. He was the big jolly guy that looks like Santa Claus and told a lot of jokes. Uh, Mike Adams, he's, he was here a few years ago. He's actually going to come back. Um, he, had, he had a date come open. Somebody canceled on him. So March 27th, mark your calendars. Sunday through Wednesday, we'll have a revival services. You don't want to miss him. Um, the community Easter egg hunt is something that we've done in the past. Now this year, again, 2020 and then 21, we were not able to do that. Um, previously, we had a great outpouring, 10,000 eggs, 600 people. You know, this is a lot of fun uh, the two years previous. Well, the last two years, we haven't been able to do it. But uh, Jessica, our children's pastor, she was able to put together Easter egg kits, you know, thinking out of the box. How can we serve our community? How can we still reach people? Because one of the things, our church's vision, our, the why behind who we are is to love like Jesus so lives are changed. And we're looking for every opportunity to love like Jesus so lives are changed. And one of the ways we do that is by using what the culture provides us. Easter egg hunts are a big deal around Easter. For a Christian, an Easter egg means nothing. An empty tomb means everything. But we still want to use what the culture gives us. So the Easter egg hunt is something that, that we like to do. Um, 
Jessica put together these Easter egg hunt kits and we were able to reach over a hundred families through these Easter egg hunt kits. Uh, they were able to be told about Jesus remotely. You know, how did, who thought that would happen? Again, learning church in a hybrid world. Each kit had information on why we do Easter. It's about the empty tomb, right? Not the egg or the Easter bunny. Who Jesus is and where to turn if you need help. So I just want to give a, she's up with the kids now. Uh, you wouldn't know I mean, she wouldn't know this, but um, I just want to give a special thanks to her who took time, put those things together. A special thanks to everybody who has helped her uh, do those things. Uh, look at the, the, oh, this year I just want you to know we want to do uh, the, the hunt. We're working on that right now. Um, we, I hope that there's a thousand people that come and that we're able to do a big thing, tell people about Jesus and all of that. Uh, 10,000 eggs, get ready because we're going to need to be filling those things. Uh, several we're called to ministry. Um, Jessica and Bruno are both set to go before the credentials board. In fact, a week from tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, they're going to be going before the credentials board for their district minister's license. And um, that's this one step away from being ordained as a, a pastor. So they're going to be doing that. And then uh, Zach, Reyes, uh, Gis uh, Giselle, Becerra, and Gemma have all received, Gemma Weir, have received their local minister's license. And they'll get a renewal this year. Their next phase will be to get their district minister's license. Our youth pastor, Michael, he's in the middle of his uh, journey towards ordination through getting his district license renewed. In fact, we'll be meeting with him as well. Um, the way it works here uh, is you have a local license. When the church, when somebody's called to ministry, the church acknowledges that call after they get together with the church board and, and we talk to them and yes, we acknowledge that call. Here's your local license. They keep that for at least a year and work on some courses and then after that year, uh, they are eligible to apply for a, a district minister's license, which is like the next step. There's uh, other people to meet with and then after they hold that license for a time, complete their studies, uh, they can be ordained. And I think uh, Michael's getting close to the ordination part. So uh, we'll keep that in mind. Uh, we have seen several stories of lives changed in recent months. We've been able to start baptisms again. We had baptisms just a few weeks ago. So excited about that. Um, and our youth have continued to not only be active during this year, um, but they have uh, and not only with regular Wednesday nights and trips, I think there were 40, Michael can correct me, don't correct me till later, there were 40 kids I think that went to extravaganza, more than 40, um, and I think there were over 50 who went to a teen camp in the summer. Um, we took every van and vehicle that we could get our hands on to get those kids down there. It was an amazing time for them. And all this while Michael and Amanda were expecting their second child, uh, their little baby Harper who's here. Um, you can ooh and all, but uh, probably not ready to be grabbed yet. Uh, she's here today. Um, I just want to say a special thank Thanks to, to our youth pastor, Michael, for your enduring leadership during a difficult time. And uh, man, it's just been a great time for them. Uh, we can't forget the children's ministry. Uh, Jessica has taken the uh, LCC kids and really grown this ministry. Um, ASK, which you heard Michael talk about, is uh, the program. See, when I grew up, I try real hard not to say that because it makes me sound old. But when I grew up, we did Wednesday night kids, right? But back then, nobody cared about their kids. Not like they do, not like we do now. Uh, back then, kids could stay up till 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and it wasn't no big deal. Um, we've realized since um, that maybe kids need more rest. So a lot of parents put their kids to bed earlier is the point. So Wednesday night, 
a Wednesday night kids ministry really wasn't as effective. So she moved it to Wednesday after school and we had over 150 kids register for this after school Bible study. Um, for almost two hours every Wednesday, kids are coming and hearing all about Jesus and it's a bunch of kids, man. Um, and she's getting ready, she took a Christmas break, getting ready to relaunch that thing. Uh, and then Sunday morning, they're doing great on Sunday morning. Just the kids ministry doing good. Um, this, we're talking about all the things in 21, right? Uh, with the help of God, we were able to hire a new worship pastor. Bruno joined us and um, we're thankful for Bruno, for his fresh vision, for the energy that he brings to our worship ministry. Our Sunday school and discipleship ministry continues to be a strong ministry in our church. This year we've added several new home groups. If you want to be a part of a home group or if you would like to lead a home group, then please talk to my wife, Sarisa, and she will uh, help you with that. Um, we continue to have a strong Sunday school presence. I want to give a shout out to our tech team, if you will. Uh, this year we've seen an exponential growth in our technological and video ability as we've had to learn to navigate uh, technology in different ways, things we've never done before. A special thanks to Alan Marr and, and uh, everything that he does for giving our church the extra step in technology and video that we need. Our production quality, and if you're online watching right now, you've seen it all morning, our production quality is unrivaled in churches our size. There's not a church our size that's doing um, better by any, not even the same. And our production quality is at least as good as uh, those and <laughs> what happened? I missed the joke. All right. Uh, anyway, and churches bigger than us. We match many churches bigger than us. If you ever get a chance, go back and watch the service again on YouTube or on Facebook and you'll see the production quality is just out of the, out of this world. All right. I told you I got to move fast. Um, these are all the things that happened in 21. See, you got to take a step and look. Uh, Harvest, our school, has grown from 130 students pre-K through 12th grade to now over 220 students. We're busting at the seams. In fact, some of you maybe have noticed the portable building that's uh, back here. We had to get a, a portable building and we're working on getting that set up uh, so that we can have uh, more students. And it's actually going to be a, a tremendous blessing for our kids because our kids there's too many of them to meet, if you've been up there, to meet in the room that they're in now. So all of these things are great things. Not only have we grown a number of students, but they've been extremely successful on the academic front. In our first year, which was 2020, uh, that graduated in 21, we graduated in our first year two students. I don't know if you know much about starting schools, but it is unheard of to graduate and credential students their first in, in a school's first year. Like that's, that's unrivaled. Like that just doesn't happen. But we did it. And this year we have 10 or 12 who are going to graduate. Just it's growing up. Um, over 30 college credit hours have been credited to high school seniors. And they place uh, first in the high school art competition in the state of Texas. Like it's, it's just an amazing thing. In athletics, we made state history. I said this last year, the first school ever in the first two years to win back-to-back -back state championships in the state of, somebody said, well, it's six-man football. No school has ever done it. Six-man or 11-man or, it, you know, like it just, it hasn't happened. We're the first. And then not only that, we were basketball runners-up in the state and we were state baseball champions. Uh, all in 21. Like this is crazy what's going on here. This just doesn't happen. And um, state track champions. 
So it's just amazing. Like God is blessing our church and school. Uh, church plants. Uh, Igreja do Nazareno. That's what they used to be called, right? I, I think that they've maybe changed. No, that's what it is. Igreja do Nazareno. Um, they've started a good work. They're continuing. Our Brazilian group. I was with them over the Christmas celebration. They had over 70 folks gathered to celebrate Christmas together. It was an amazing time. Now be praying for the Korean work. They have just started and um, they're meet every, you might see them kind of trickling. If you linger, you might see them trickle in on Sundays because they meet after us at two o'clock. Um, they are excited to see Korean-speaking people come to know Jesus Christ. It's just amazing. All of these things happening in this little church in Bartonville, Texas called Lantana. So amazing. The annual Christmas tree walk. It's an incredible legacy that we started. Amanda Preston um, led that with the help of uh, Jordan. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. Uh, um, it's just uh, amazing what's going on with that. This year we had about 500 people. The count has been in dispute. Um, I'll take the pastor's count and say 600. Uh, they came over two nights to participate in the story of Jesus Christ being told from birth to resurrection. Again, we're taking something from society, culturally relevant, Christmas trees, who would have thought, and tell the story of Jesus by the, nati the nativity story of Jesus from birth to resurrection, and people hear that story. It's amazing. The outreach ministry. Now Heather Weir um, really started that over the time of COVID and it's matured and flourished under her leadership. We're able to distribute food and diapers to families that need the help once a month. It's uh, called Uplift and you'll probably see things about that come up. If you don't, get on the church's email list or the text group and you'll see those. Um, we've partnered also with Rescue Hill for human trafficking <coughs> and um, We've partnered with Safe Families. Tracy Clefcorn from here is uh, leading that effort. If you want to know questions about Safe Families, it's a, something that gets people involved pre-child protective services for the state. It's, it's a way for families that need help, that recognize they need help, to get help before the state gets involved. It's a tremendous ministry. Tra Tracy Clefcorn is our uh, point person here at the church. Man, one of the most important things that our church does, though, is prayer. I was just talking about Thursday night uh, coming up. We've always been a praying church. I'll slow down here. But I think we need to get serious about prayer. Uh, COVID has been hard on our night of prayer because we are just getting that thing going. We were doing it on Wednesday nights. And I just think people are getting Zoom fatigue. To be honest, I just think all around, people are like me. They're getting Zoom fatigue. Uh, so we, we made some changes. It got to where nobody was really getting on the Zoom. It wasn't very well uh, attended. So uh, we changed it to once a month on Thursday, the third Thursday of the month. I know, super random. But we just wanted to have a, a specific time that everybody could count on, the third Thursday of the month. And as interest grows and as attendance increases, we'll move that to more often because we should have prayer more, right? Not less. We should have more prayer and we should do it more often and we should gather together. So January 20th is our next time for that night of prayer. Uh, we're running out of time, but if you'll, if you'll indulge me, I'd like to take a look at our spiritual growth from the year of 21. Um, from the be very beginning, we began to focus on the idea that God was calling us to be a movement. Do y'all remember that? Um, he, he, he called us to be a movement. And we laid out a list of the type of people that 
we're called to be a movement. And, and I'll run through these real quickly. Again, these are all in the notes on, on the app. Uh, to, we, to be kingdom-minded people. That's one thing. If we're going to be part of the movement, you see, God started, Jesus started a movement. And God started it through Jesus when Jesus was born and through his life. That started the movement. Somewhere, I think, the church, capital C, has kind of lost its way, at least some of the church in the United States. I believe that God is calling his people, don't confuse that with building church, but his people church, to start or reignite or restart, however you want to call it, that movement. And he's asking us to do it. What kind of people are those that would start that movement? Kingdom-minded people. That's the first. You remember the story of the woman who lost, uh, she had 10 coins, she lost one, and she just went crazy. She became desperate to find it. As kingdom-minded people, we have to see people come into the kingdom of God. And we need to become desperate to see those people come to know Jesus, just like this woman was desperate to find her coin. Uh, people of a movement are also going to be joyful people. The common misconception we learned in this time is that joy and happiness are the same thing. Ha but that, you know, they're not. Happiness is an emotion that's affected by external influence, while joy comes from the spirit within us. And we said joy is a divine dimension of living that is not shackled by circumstance. It's a divine dimension of living that's not shackled by circumstance. Whatever you're going through, you can still have joy. We looked at ways to build our joy and to be wary of things that steal joy. Uh, the third thing is people of a movement are sanctified. Sanctified people. Listen, that's a cornerstone of our message on freedom. And if you've been here for any time, you've heard me talk about this. When people are tired of their back and forth with sin, forgiveness and, and sin and forgiveness and sin, then you reach this crisis point in your lives and you just turn everything over to God and you say, God, I'm just tired of it. I want to give you everything. And that's what people of a movement are. People of a movement are also praying people. Not only do we have the directive to pray, Ask, seek, and knock. Remember that scripture. Not only do we have the directive to pray, but we have to become desperate to see God start a movement among us. And I think this is part of the issue with the church in the United States is we're not desperate for very many things, right? We just don't understand desperation. We don't have to be desperate for our next where, to find out where our next meal's coming from or where our next bit of money's coming from or where we're gonna sleep tonight. We're not desperate for those things. The things we become desperate for are like a new car and a new boat. It's always about a boat with me. I want a boat. A motorcycle. Really would love a motorcycle. That's what we become desperate for, right? But is that real desperation? Not really. We have to learn what it means to be desperate. People of a movement are also bold. And bold is not a characteristic of our personality, but it is the being willing to boldly, with vigor, tell people about the freedom they can experience through Jesus Christ. It's, it's being bold in our expression of who Jesus is and what he means to us. Bold. Uh, and then finally, welcome home. If people will be part of this movement, we can't be a closed group. Every person who comes through these doors, we need to say, welcome home. So good to see you. We've been waiting on you. Here's a seat. Welcome home. It doesn't matter what people look like. It doesn't matter what they smell like. It doesn't matter the color of their skin or their gender. 
It's only about you're welcome here. Because people will come in and they're gonna know there's something different about us because of the way we receive them. All right, I'm really running out of time. All right, two more things, two more big things. And I'm going to tell you about next year, or this year, 22. All right, uh, we talked about unoffendable. Do you remember that? Unoffendable. We started by asking the question, why are we offendable? Why is that such a big part of our lives? Anger is going to happen, but how do we respond when we get angry? We learned we need to let go and not hold on to it. We also talked about the idea that we don't know what situation has led to someone else being angry with us. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's happening in their life. I went to, it might have been a mistake, a friend of mine asked me to meet him at, uh, the other day, uh, two, three, four weeks ago, at IHOP. We went to IHOP. I should, maybe I shouldn't call out the restaurant, too late. So we went to IHOP and I walked in and there was one person in the store. One person. She was the waiter, she was the receptionist, she was the person that took the food, the money, she was the person who took the orders, she was the person who got the drinks, for the whole restaurant, one person. Now, if you didn't know, and you could see, I mean, you could see that she was visibly not happy about this. In fact, I think she wanted, to, she told us, she wanted to leave, like, I just want to go home. That type of situation is obviously going to make somebody upset. And what happens is we come in and we get upset too. Well, that's not helping anything. Most of the time, we don't know why they're upset. But we get mad too. That's the rule in my house anyway. If you get mad, I'm going to get mad. <laughs> right? We've got to, that's what I tell my loving wife sometimes. I'll say, why, why are you mad at me? I, she, well, you got mad. Yeah, but why do you have to get mad when I get mad? Well, if you're going to get mad, we're all going to get mad. But we live by that principle, right? If you get mad, I'm gonna get mad back. Man, sometimes we just need to take a chill pill, to borrow a phrase from the 80s. Just relax, you know, have a, have a time to think about. We don't know what's leading to their behavior. Uh, we decided we need to get rid of anger, to choose to be unoffendable. We live in a broken society. People will say, somebody does something, and we'll say, I can't believe it. I can't believe they did that. You've done that before. I can't believe it. Oh, I just can't believe it. Oh, every time the Cowboys lose, I say, I just, I can't believe it. <laughs> and Teresa say, really? You can't believe it? Yeah. When somebody offends us, it's in human nature to offend people. We're a fallen people. We go around and that's what, that's what we do. We offend each other. Because that's what sin has done in our world. When we really begin to understand that it's just part of nature, we can marvel then at the goodness that humans produce. We can marvel at the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. We can marvel when the Holy Spirit changes somebody and they quit being so offensive. Right? Quit saying, I can't believe it. We should say, I can believe it. Like, Man, I can't wait for the Spirit to get a hold of him. Right? That's how we should talk. Because nobody is a mortal threat to the kingdom of God. There's not one, one person in this world, in this church, none of you can take down the kingdom of God. You might try, but you can't do that. Somehow we feel as people who follow Jesus, like I need to protect the kingdom. It's my job to protect the kingdom. I've got to go and I'm going to fight people and I'm going to get angry with people and I'm going to be offended when they're wrong. If we'll give up offense... We can find rest in Jesus. 
So we need to choose to be unoffendable. You know, we ended up talking about love. Interesting that everything about the Christian world leads back to love. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm tired of all the hate. For me, I'm tired of the hate. And it seems like COVID, the coronavirus, has brought out a lot of hate. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the racial divide. I'm tired of people killing each other. <laughs> Honestly, if the 83% of people in the United States who said they're Christian would start living like it, all that would change. Did you know that? 83% of people say they're Christian. 83%. I bet 10% live like it. 83%. So be unoffendable. Choose to not be offended. Don't let everything agitate you so much. Start living like you are set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the other thing, the king, the, we call it kingdom business, talking about this kingdom of God. It's foundational to our church. People have taken the kingdom of God and, and the, the gospel and turned it into the minimum entrance requirements for heaven. What is the least I can do? What's the minimum entrance requirement to get there? What, you tell me what to do. What's the minimum thing? And we boiled it down to, well, just receive Jesus Christ. Cool, done it. Right? That's, that's what we've done. We've, we've made it the minimum entrance requirement. But listen, the kingdom of God is about so much more than that. Than that. The kingdom of God is about the poor. And it's about the marginalized. And the kingdom of God is about our environment. And it's about our neighbors. And it's about the immigrant. The kingdom of God is about so much more. And Jesus is recruiting a group of people to bring his kingdom. And he calls that group the church. Jesus said, let me tell you how to pray. Remember this? Our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think he was talking about? God, let what happens up there happen down here. Let what goes on up there, let it happen in my life. So that everywhere I go, people will see your kingdom in me. They will know, oh, there's something different about, look, the kingdom of this, not, they're not offended over there. I can come over there wearing all black and leather and they're going to love me anyway. Right? I, I can come right out of a human trafficking. We got kids, I'll say it politely. Human trafficking. I can come right out of that, step into that church, they're going to love me. Because that's where the kingdom of God is. When people understand what's going on in the kingdom, they're going to be willing to do anything to be a part. Anything. And that's the kind of stories Jesus told. The story of the pearl of great price. Remember that? Went and sold everything he had so he could have this pearl, the man did. We talked about how people, if in the world, if we can't be holy, maybe we'll just be weird. We've established boundary markers. To set us apart. You remember boundary markers, right? Um, the rabbis focused on dietary law, Sabbath keeping, and circumcision. They were boundary markers. They were things you could see. Uh, it was a boundary marker. They knew the heart of God's law was about loving God and loving our neighbor. Jesus said that. But what they could see was Sabbath keeping, dietary law, and circumcision. So that made sense to them. And every group has it. Every group has it. People who work out wear workout shirts and workout pants and noble shoes and, you know, whatever. 
Like it's a boundary marker. Determines who's in and who's out. Oh, you know what you're doing. Like, yeah, okay, you can come in. Oh, wait a minute. You're wearing regular tennis shoes? No way. Like you can't, you can't come in here. We do it. And the church does the same thing. We have these boundary markers. Well, what do you look like? What did you dress like today? What do you act like? We need to take the boundary markers out and allow people to come and then the kingdom of God to change them. Um, Jesus had boundary markers. You remember that? He called it a circumcision of the heart. He, he said it's a, it's a marker of our heart. When someone loves God and loves people, they are kingdom of God people. About the Pharisees and about the rulers, the leaders, this is what he said. He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. Looks good, painted up, all nice and pretty, but inside is just death and dying. Because you can't see the heart and that made them nervous. Honestly, as a pastor, it makes me nervous. I have to let go of a lot. Man, I don't know your heart. You know your heart. Don't lie to yourself though. Oh my word, please don't lie to yourself. If you choose God, then choose God. Uh, I'm really, okay, here we go. We talked about what this means to break into our community because there was a place where this happened. And in under 300 years, the entire civilized world became mostly Christian, over half. In under 300 years. It was a revolution. It was amazing. So what does that look like? Guess what? It looks like love. 1 John 4, 7 through 9. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Those are hard words. If you don't love, John says you don't know God. Love can't be inward focused. It moves out of us. It seeks the well-being of others. All right, that's, that's, those, were the big, those were the big ideas. We, we talked about a lot. If I could tell you, please don't forget something, it would be those things. And some of you may be hearing like, man, I like that. That sounds good. Each, there was a lot of series of messages involved here. Go to our website or our app and get the podcast or find the old messages. And listen to some of these. The Kingdom Business Series is amazing teaching. Um, unoffendable. It's great. There's a book. We went through a book. That was Brent Hansen wrote a book. Unoffendable. It's good stuff. All right. But let's look forward. I think God wants to do so much more for us as a church. I really do. I feel God's presence when we gather. I'm blessed and encouraged when we pray together. And I have to tell you that God wants to move in a mighty way. Let me tell you this proverb, 29, 18. We have to understand this. Where there is no vision, you've heard this, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. God is giving us a vision. The reason people without a vision perish is because they're not tuned in with God. God knows what he wants us to do. The question is, are we listening to him so that we know what he wants us to do? He knows what he wants us to do. He's asking us to do something. He's given us a vision. What I've done is sat down, spent some time with God and said, God, what do you want to do this year? Next year when I look back, what am I going to be looking back at? How do we, some, some regular things, how do we quantify attendance goals? Before COVID, we reported 152 as an average attendance before COVID. That was our last, everything was good, everything's fine. 
We had Sundays as big as 250. That's what we were doing. But throughout the pandemic, our online presence has grown to more than four times that. I mean, we have weeks where we're reaching 1,000 people online. We have to rethink how it is that we're reaching people. Are, are we seeing people come to know Jesus? Because that's what's important. Are we seeing their lives changed? Are people being discipled into a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Can we say that about our church? Because this is a big loss if we can't. We're wasting a lot of time. This year, I want to issue a different kind of goal. I'd like to see at least 20 people get baptized before the year end. I think that's very achievable. In fact, uh, we have a, on the 30th, the last Sunday of this month, if somebody wants to be baptized, let us know. Because we have some others that are going to be baptized and we can do that. I'd like to see us achieve an average of, average of more than 200 in the third quarter. Again, I think very achievable. I don't think that should be a problem for us at all because we have the answer. We have what people are looking for. We bring God's kingdom. It's not about the numbers though. I do want you to remember every number has a name and every name is somebody who Jesus loves. So it's not about the numbers, but the numbers do tell us a story. Are we being effective in who we're reaching? How many people come to prayer on Thursday night is going to tell us a story. How many people are interested in joining in our vision of a church that's undergird by prayer? Not, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I understand there's work obligations and there's family obligations. and I mean, I get that. I'm just saying certain metrics will let us know how we're doing as a church. And one of those metrics is prayer. One of those metrics is Sunday morning attendance. One of those metrics is how many people are coming to small groups. I get that it's not about numbers. But every number has a name and every name is somebody that Jesus loves. That we want to reach. Uh, God wants to bring revival to our church. We were just talking about this. Uh, Richie and I were just talking about this. God wants to bring revival. We're having a revival speaker, but he doesn't want to bring revival through the speaker. He, he wants to bring revival to our church. How's he going to do that? I don't know. I was, um, again, I'm telling you stories. This is no pressure, okay? Don't, I don't want anybody to leave here and be like, well, he was telling me what I, wanted, what I have to do. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you stories. Uh, when I was working with teenagers, one of the greatest revivals, I was a youth pastor, one of the greatest revivals that ever happened in that church came out of the youth group. Nothing I did, so I'm just, story. When we were, we went to a retreat. That's why retreats are so important, man. When these kids get away, they focus on God. They, um, I didn't tell you about kids camp. Just realize that. Kids camp, we had more kids at kids camp in Jessica's first year as our children's pastor than any of the other churches that went. <laughs> Do you know that? Like those camps are so important and retreats are so important. Like they have to happen. We went to, uh, we called it the winter retreat. Went to winter retreat in Rio Dosa. We came back and the first Sunday we were back, Seriously, will remember this story. Uh, Bo, Candace remember this story too. We're sitting in the, in the chairs and we're, we're going and Brother Campbell who had a walker, he was with his walker in the air. Amen, praise God. He was awesome. Love Brother Campbell. 
And um, one of the students, Bo, in the middle of the service, I was like, oh, I'm going to get fired for this one. In the middle of the service, he stood up. He stopped the service at, at the end of a song. A song was ending and he stood up and he stopped the service. And he, he just couldn't hold it in anymore. Coming out of this retreat, he said, I just have to say something. His dad was in the choir. <laughs> he said, Dad, in the middle of service, Dad, I just want you to know that I'm sorry. I haven't been living right and I've been lying to you and Mom. And I'm asking your forgiveness. I've asked God to forgive me. And... I just need your forgiveness. And his dad stood up out of the choir loft and they met and embraced, like it was similar to this, on the steps in the front of that church. <laughs> everybody in the church was like boohooing and everybody had their hands and walkers up in the air, you know, and it was like this amazing, and that, so what happened was, I don't think we had any more organized worship time that day. And I don't, I know for a fact the pastor didn't preach. Because after about four weeks of him not being able to preach, he was getting irritated with it. I remember we went several weeks and I was thinking to myself, this might be the best ever because the pastor's never going to preach again and we're going to have church every week. <laughs> you guys are, you don't think, okay. It was hilarious. I remember that, um, you know, my boss, but he would have been mad if he knew I said that. But, you know, pastors, you guys, you get bored, people talking. And uh, so he was, he, he was, he didn't preach for several weeks. But the point is, is that that revival started that day. And seriously, there was no preaching. There was only music and praying for four weeks. For four weeks, we would come. And I remember there was this expectation like, man, what's going to happen this week? I don't know. What's going to happen? People were getting up. People were being reconciled. People were being healed. Relationships were being restored. Like it was, it was an incredible time of a move of the Spirit. God wants that here. God wants that in this church. He wants to bring revival. Mike Adams, he's awesome. You're going to love him in March, the end, end of March. But he's not going to bring it with him. He needs to come and find a church already in revival. Here's the other big idea. This year, our church will re-engage as the pandemic comes to a close, we're going to re-engage. That's, I don't know if that's the word for the year or if that's the thrust for this year, but God wants us to re-engage. I have to tell you, man, I don't want to get in trouble. Joel 2.28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. This is what I want. This is what we want. Oh God, would you pour out your spirit on this church? The foundation has been laid. I just want you to know the foundation has been laid. God wants to do this for this church and it's not just to make us feel good. I got to tell you, if you've never been in a service like that, you should be a part of one because it feels amazing. Being engulfed by the Spirit of God is life-changing. It's never left me the same, that experience. Or anyone I've had after. God wants to do that here. 
but we have to re-engage. The pandemic is serious. I have good friends, I have two, and one was very close to me, and another one was just a good friend. But both of them died because of COVID. So I'm not taking it lightly. But also I understand that without community, there is no church. We have to be together. And I believe that if we don't really begin to re-engage, that we are gonna be close to losing some of that community. We've gotta be careful. And also know that this is what, that God wants this revival for this church. This is what he wants, man. My young men will see visions. The old men will dream dreams. The sons and the daughters will prophesy. God, let that be here. Let us as a church re-engage. A lot of growth has taken place. The Brazilian church, the Korean church, the Harvest School, our new worship pastor, I'm looking now for God to pour out his spirit. God has helped us create a firm foundation, one of love and his kingdom. I believe he has been preparing the soil and he's poised to do something great. I think the question for us is, will we follow? Will we allow him to do something great? Bruno and the team are gonna come. We're gonna have communion here in a moment. Those who are helping to serve, please make your way there. But I want you to know, and this is our prayer today. This is how we need to pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you break into this church? Will you break into my life? Can we be a place that revival happens in 2022? Man, and I know we've went long. Thank you for being patient with me. The Cowboys played last night, so we're good.